Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old soundtracks for some reason. This is Nick. This is Chris. And this is Caleb. And this week, it's my pick. Um, In my furthering efforts of uh, pivoting to a vampire-only podcast, uh, (laughs) I've chosen from 2008 the Twilight soundtrack. Yeah! Twilight! (laughs) Right. Very exciting. Yeah, we're finding our niche. (laughs) 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 Only vampire podcast. This is, I will say, a film that I don't think I'd actually watched until preparation for the soundtrack. I've I've definitely seen a Twilight movie. I don't know which one. Yeah. uh, It's quite a few. I plan on watching them all eventually. because that's what we're doing yeah in preparation for this uh caleb was texting us he was like this movie's awesome <laughs> that was mid-movie we'll get to that mid-movie. uh i had a great time uh watching this movie i had a great time listening to the soundtrack uh yeah. let's jump in you guys want to hear track one let's hear track yeah. one this is muse with supermassive black hole Muse, more like snooze. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't hate it. It's got some, uh, I would say, some kind of new metal influence without uh, like dipping his toes too deeply in the new metal pool. Yeah. Um, there's going to be kind of a running theme through this entire soundtrack. Where I read that, uh, who's the author of the the book? Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer. Meyer. Stephanie Meyer had a lot to do. She had a lot of control in the adaptation of her very successful novel about people not fucking. Um, <laughs> And so she supposedly, especially the first movie, I think, was kind of a low budget for Hollywood standards. And she had a lot of influence in putting together a soundtrack of music that she was supposedly listening to when she, like, wrote the novel. Makes sense. Yeah, she Um, handpicked all the songs for this soundtrack. Well, I think part of it, I think Stephanie Meyer is probably closer to our generation. And this is, I will say that this soundtrack, I believe... I'm understood to know that this is like a very kind of uh, formative soundtrack for people that are maybe younger than us. But I think that she picked a lot of bands that are kind of um, like Muse, I think, had hits like back in like the early 2000s. And so there's a lot of bands that are famous (laughs) that we know from when we were younger. Right. uh, But these are not the songs that they made in their heyday. These are like like kind of weird late career. uh, This is kind of a late career Muse song that is probably like a bigger hit than anything that happened when we were young yeah this was a band i could never get into and um this song supermassive black hole uh they got quite a bit of flack from their loyal fan base for it being included on a twilight soundtrack and uh (laughs) matthew bellamy said in some interviews he's like we don't care if we have a song on the twilight soundtrack uh if people think it's uncool like of course they don't care because They've had music in all the Twilight movies, and it's a huge revenue stream for them. Oh man, it's it's a massive. This uh, I should say. Okay, uh, getting to the film a little bit. Mm-hmm. This movie, or the film, the novels are set in Forks, Washington. Uh, apparently, Stephanie Meyer. I think she's from Utah, but um, she had read about a town in America with the least amount of sunny days, and she thought like that would be perfect for a vampire to live in a place that was never sunny. It happens to be basically where I grew up. 
um, which was in the middle of like a temperate rainforest and it was just constantly miserable and, and raining. And I grew up like a, you know, probably like a half hour drive from Forks, Washington, which is where uh, this takes place. Caleb might be a vampire. That's what I was going to ask. We um, don't know a ton about his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of funny things about growing up, uh, which is now the most famous thing about Forks now is Twilight. Yeah. And if you, it's a little logging town, you drive through it and there's just like twilight, twilight coffee stuff. shops and twilight gift shops. I read that uh, Forks Makes is sense. the logging capital of the world. Oh, That's nice. like, I, I grew up in a smaller town than Forks, but Forks was a very small logging town mm-hmm. and people don't log anymore. So it's just a small twilight town. The song was playing. We're kind of jumping right into the movie here. This is like ladder movie. It's mm-hmm. during the baseball scene. <laughs> It's a great scene. You guys Just like vampires baseball? love baseball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it kind of makes sense in that they're all like, well, if you haven't seen the movie, they're vampires. Uh, <laughs> but they uh, they're all like eighteen hundreds y people, or like or like early nineteen hundreds, and like baseball's been around, so like it would make sense that they're all like, oh, this is the sport we dig because it's you know we've been playing stickball for hundreds of years. <laughs> it is. This is maybe one of the goofiest scenes in the film. Uh, I listen. Okay, I'm wearing a baseball jersey right now. I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. I'm wearing a Seattle Mariners jersey. This is what uh, they would. Be, I think they were big. They they talk about the Mariners in the yeah. movie actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, the dad's a big baseball fan. Yeah. I, I listened to a baseball podcast, and there was a special episode where they had somebody break down the baseball in Twilight, <laughs> break down this baseball scene. Yeah. Uh, the vampire who's pitching is the least convincing. Oh, she's it's like <laughs> she's got this really cool like arm you've ever seen in the leg goes straight up when she uh, follows through with the pitch. <laughs> I was watching it with Kelsey, and she was like, "Anytime they get actors to play sports, it's just like they can't even edit it the correct way. They still look so goofy." And I'm like. Yeah, they're all like theater kids. They spend their whole time in the theater. Uh, so we're going to talk about it a lot, but the the kind of the styling of the vampires in this mm-hmm. is, even though it's 2008, it's very like 1998. There's like so many like chunky, like blonde streaks. And uh, it's very MySpace. Like the whole movie is like if MySpace became sentient. <laughs> their, oh man, their baseball uniform style is so great. But I will say all the characters are intensely pleased with themselves while they play baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is like what this is their thing. This is their thing that they do is play baseball. Speaking of uh, vampires, you guys want to hear track two? Yeah, let's, let's do, it. do it. This is Paramore with Decode. Paramore. This is a uh, another band that I could never really get into. I never got into. I they, mean, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just too old for. That's uh, fair. This was a song that they uh, made for the movie, and there was a music video for it as well, where they're rocking out in the woods, and it's uh, <laughs> spliced together with footage from the film. It's pretty uh, ridiculous. I love it when they do that, and they're like, "We could have been in the film. Did you watch closely enough? We don't know." Paramore, uh, very, you know. The people are big fans of Paramore. I think they are, have been described as like pop punk or whatever. This sounds very emo to me. Yeah. This this sound of this song in particular, it's like anytime I'll like get into like an anime series, 
and I'll just be playing. I'm like, yeah, I'm kinda, I kind I think I really like anime. And then the closing credits come, and it's some like Japanese version of this song, and I'm just like, what am I doing? It's funny you say that. This was used in the Japanese trailer. Oh, okay, movie. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Haley Williams wrote this because she was a big fan of the Twilight. Yeah, uh, she was book series. She was apparently makes, makes sense. Uh, she was lobbying very hard to be included on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and she she got her dress. I think very cannily, like inserted herself into the Twilight world. She's very much like a smart move force washington <laughs> has been capitalizing on the popularity of the twilight franchise ever since they uh released this song uh it debuted on paramore's fan club website and stephanie myers's personal website <laughs> which is something that's hilarious to me and kind of something that uh, is just a bygone era of music releases you know like you wouldn't see like uh you know like the new greta van fleet song and the new christopher nolan movie you know per- <laughs> premiering on nolan's personal website <laughs> yeah guys subscribe <laughs> click on subscribe <laughs> in my bio to hear the new <laughs> from greta van fleet song they, they also um when the soundtrack came out this was in october of 2008 hot topic uh hosted soundtrack listening parties across the u.s did you guys have a favorite uh, store in the mall i mean growing up i never thought it was cool enough to shop in hot topic like they they smelled my bs because i was like in my <laughs> school uniform there just like could i have a, a rancid t-shirt please <laughs> like, i was more of a spencer's gifts guy yeah, i really like zoomies zoomies was my i was at the shoe store yeah yeah, yeah. but it was like kind of skater wear kind of journeys yeah. yeah. Sun, i thought it was pretty cool <laughs> um i liked like whatever store in the mall had like ninja swords and stuff and i would just go and look at like throwing stars and be like nice yeah and, and, and how much is a, is a dozen of these okay cool cool and you have to be what 18 21 21 yeah. 18 14 <laughs> sharper image i remember growing up had like a life-size predator <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> beg for for my parents for what purpose? Sharper image, <laughs> yeah. Like it's actually a lounge chair too, if you convert <laughs> yeah, it, and a CD player. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think this song is playing in the credits. In credits, that's there. I want to say there's three credit songs, mm-hmm. uh, two of which are on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should jump into the next track. Let's do it. This is track three. This is the Black Ghosts with Full Moon. Actually, I like this track uh, decently. It's not too bad. This was a, uh, a song that was not made for the soundtrack, but uh, came out like in the same year. And uh, Stephanie Meyer was a big fan of Black Ghosts, I guess. And they got super lucky. And, uh, you know, this kind of kept them, yeah. you know, busy for a while. A couple notes about Black Ghosts. Uh, a couple, they're first of all, not black and not ghosts. There's a couple of <laughs> British gentlemen, I believe. They could be ghosts. You can like hear some... Uh, I think about you know my my lineage is uh, is is British British blood, yeah. uh, that weak British blood, and I hear like like that weird kind of chamber music. This sounds like uh, this sounds very British to me. Yeah, not a bad track. I kind of like it, and also <laughs> I do want to say I don't know how many Twilight movies there are. There's there, probably, there are five. There's five. <laughs> 
I know because we watched the, Allison and I watched them all the way through. Okay, yeah. it's pretty, champions, pretty crazy. They're like all. You really if, did your if research. You seen, I, th- I believe they're all free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, which is pretty awesome. I I know. Okay, I know of Twilight in that it's a very uh, vampires versus werewolves. Who's she gonna fuck? Mm-hmm. There's no werewolves in it. I mean, there's people that we know are werewolves, but no, not it, yet. It doesn't happen until the uh, the. The, the first sequel okay. yeah. that they reveal themselves. New Moon? Come on. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, so this, this song is called Full Moon, and yeah. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, because of the werewolves that, oh, yeah, you never see. They, I mean, how much more heavy-handed do you want? They're pretty heavy-handed. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, I'm on the reservation, and <laughs> did I mention we're descended from wolves? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we have a long-standing feud with the vampire. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Yeah, just like. <laughs> oh my god! I should say that the uh, the reservation that they visit to go surfing. That's where my family and I would go to buy fireworks every Fourth of July. Nice, because nice. they have their own. Uh, they don't have to worry about the state laws as far as what they can sell in the fireworks. Oh, nice! And it was a yeah, it's a beautiful part of Washington State. Did you sneak in a bunch of uh, fireworks into Brooklyn this year? <laughs> was that all all you're doing? My side hustle. <laughs> I mean, and we can get into this later, but I mean, like the big elephant in the room is, are you guys Team Edward or Team Jacob? I'd say, <laughs> especially after watching the first one, you're like, there's the one that by the end of the movie, he's like, I will do anything to protect you and mm-hmm. we're going to have a wonderful life together. Yeah. And she's like, I love you unconditionally for no reason. Irrevocably. And then there's the other guy that's like, Remember when we were kids? We used to hang out. Yeah. It's like, kid, what are you? What are you doing here? Edward and Jacob are both total creeps. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they both love Bella, played by Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. And um, I think after watching all five of them, I'm Team Edward. Yeah. And uh, Jacob just like won't fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes okay. I have again. I have not done the research. We're dealing with the data I have right now. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem it, like much of a question in the first movie. Well. I think the question in the first movie is like, do I want like a normal life where my life's like not constantly in danger or do I go with this like nice guy that I know and I grew up with and is like my family friend that might be a werewolf? <laughs> like, she, and I, th- I think she secretly wants to live forever. Of course. Well, yeah. I think that, okay, two things. One, uh, Jacob in this movie has a very like, uh, like nice guy in quotations thing going on mm-hmm. where he's got bad long hair yeah. and he just keeps showing up to be like, he's no good for you. And you're like, what? Like, I... I hardly know you. What are you? Why do you keep telling me what I should do with my life? His objections are valid. <laughs> <laughs> it's straight up. Edward is constantly like, you know, I could kill you. You know, I want to kill you. You know, your life's in danger anytime you're around me or oh, my family. I, I want you, but I can't have you. Ugh. Yeah, when you a lot talk, of heavy breathing. If in you want to talk that. about like heavy-handed metaphor, the whole like, are they? You know, will they? Won't they? The fucking uh, yeah. as like the the metaphor of fucking for turning somebody into a vampire. It's yeah. like, if we do this, you're never going to be the same. Yeah, and I can't, I can't stop my. And it's just like, oh god. It's <laughs> we can we can get into like why teenage women are so attracted to this, and there is like a. Admittedly, I'm still trying to figure out what women find attractive. <laughs> my whole life. Um, but in this, it's like, I guess there is something to like, I am very powerful and have the capability to kill you, but I choose not to. And that's why you're special. It's a lot of like, uh, oh yeah, I come in here all the time and watch you sleep. I haven't mentioned that. <laughs> she falls more in love with him sleep. throughout all the movies as his sideburns get more and more insane. <laughs> 
stay tuned for our next four episodes. <laughs> All right, let's uh, jump into the next track. We're gonna, yeah, yeah. Let's hear a little bit of track four. This is Linkin Park with Leave Out All the Rest. After my dreaming, I woke with this fear. Lincoln Park, uh, I think that they, they kind of blew up when I was in college and they were part of, uh, I will say mercilessly in this, in this song in particular, there's no like uh, rap rock thing, which was kind of yeah. there. Um, they this had was the, another band that I just could never get into. Oh, I always hated Lincoln Park. Bite people, my neck, can't wake up. <laughs> they were, they were so huge in yeah. Houston. People love them there. and people love them to this day. Uh, oh, I should yeah. say the, the lead singer like tragically died yeah. uh, recently, but there was Chester was lead singer and then there was the guy who would do some there was like a I want to say maybe he was Asian but he would do some uh, white guy rapping on mm-hmm. some tracks mm-hmm. and it was always super cringy and then they did one mashup album where it was like hits of theirs with Jay-Z rapping with them and I feel like that earned them a lot more goodwill that kind of carried over into mm-hmm. other stuff where they uh, they probably didn't serve it. I don't know yeah this song uh, Leave Out All The Rest was featured on uh, an advertisement for Law & Order it was also on some episodes <laughs> of CSI, you know, very 2008. Yeah. And um, apparently Rick Rubin, who was their producer for this, was the first one to uh, recognize this as it had a huge potential for a for like a massive single. They were like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Rick Rubin's thing. He kind of just sits back and is like, that's the single. And he gets paid a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people need those tastemakers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's got the clout. Rick Rubin, yeah, he's made a career of selling uh, hip-hop to white people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this song is during the credits. This is one of the... First credit song. Actually, well, it depends what... Because there's like a Radiohead song with like a weird... <laughs> the version that I saw of the movie ended with uh, the Radiohead song. There's okay. a ra- So credits start rolling, but things are still kind of happening in the background. I gotcha. And then this happens, and then there's a Paramore song. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about a little bit the last track where it was in the film. Mm-hmm. You said it was... Uh, it's when Bella arrives, for, or leaves Phoenix and goes to Forks. Okay. <laughs> the only reason I wanted to talk about that is because that's like uh, the Lost Boys Lost thing, Boys right? also <laughs> leave Phoenix. They go to Phoenix, but they go to Santa Carla, which is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. Tale as old as time. Sunny. And uh, yeah. as somebody that grew up very near to Forks, Washington, that would be a fucking drag. Le- leaving any, like... Big metropolitan area. To- like wide open spaces, like sun, and then you just go to this like dreary... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, the movie, I mean, the the movie takes place in like a gorgeous town. Like you can't argue about like how wow. beautiful it is. But I mean that if you're a high schooler, you don't care about that. And then you're just like, there's like one scene at the beginning when they're rolling into Forks. It like looks for a second, kind of like Forks. Forks yeah. is a town with I want to say maybe two stoplights. Okay. Um, cool. They definitely they filmed the majority of this in Portland, Oregon, which is a beautiful. Yeah, that's uh, right. Most beautiful, of it. dreary town. But, Makes uh, sense. That's like all I went to high school outside of Portland, which I love. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to say there, I don't know if, I'm sure that it's from the novel, so it has nothing to do with Lost Boys, but. Well, it's it's funny, like the Lost Boys, there's a few parallels uh, with this movie and clearly like some homages to it, I think. Um, but the 
gang of people that are actually vampires. I'm like, the Lost Boys are so much cooler <laughs> uh, than these sort of like steampunk, like anime character vampires that are in are hanging. At least the Lost Boys vampires don't go to the high school. You know what I mean? They hang out where high schoolers hang out, which okay, the board on the boardwalk. <laughs> But like they're not enrolled in classes and we right, i got two things to talk oh, about this man. first of all my like the part when i texted you when i was getting pumped up watching the movie was this scene where uh anna kendrick is kind of laying down the oh you're new to the school like yeah mm-hmm. we're the you know blah, blah blah it's like oh who are they and it pans over to a bunch of like 26 year old people <laughs> yeah. with like so weirdly styled and acting like fucking maniacs rolling in and it's like, oh, the Coens that kind of keep to themselves. And it's like, you mean those weird adults? Yeah. And then like, there's like nine of them. <laughs> there's some sort of unaddressed notion that, uh, okay, they're supposed to be trapped in 17-year-old bodies, or at least Edward is. Mm. And so he's cursed to like keep going to high school everywhere. He could just, just say you're 18. Go to college or something. Or just don't. Yeah, <laughs> I just, did have that thought. Yeah, he's like, all, why? He, why does he have to keep moving and stay in high school? It's it's <laughs> it's not. He's a creep. It's the. I mean, we can sit here and and do plot holes all day in this movie, but it's the one thing I can't get past. The <laughs> there is no reason for all of them to be enrolled in high school, <laughs> except if Edward is just cruising. Well, that's what I'm saying. Cruising for yeah. girls. Yeah, he's <laughs> a creep. There's no reason. Well, okay, there's two things. It, he should definitely be 14 or something where it's like, that would you'd be sense. so young where it's like, why, why isn't this kid in school? Right. But then you can't be like, are they going to fuck? Right. That's the problem with that. Um, secondly, I think she, uh, the, the author originally wanted like Henry Cavill to be, or she, that's who she had in mind. Wow. But uh, he was like even, even older and it would have been even weirder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe he's just really bad at biology, and he keeps like. No, but he's, he's like, good. He knows the answers. <laughs> and his doctor father is like, ah, you're gonna have to retake it, Edward. Yeah, the reason why I said maybe college was because like if he does want to like learn everything, I could understand um, him like wanting to enroll in higher education. Doogie Hauser was practicing medicine, and he was like 15 or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> is he a dunce? Is he stupid? It, yeah, it, it, like again. There, there are a few issues with the movie, but this one, it's just like, it did, and I, I know it's been said. I know it's been said. Comedians have been dunking on this movie, especially for this, but like, it has to be said that like, why are you there? They also have a ton of money. Yeah. Like, vampires are rich. Oh, I, yeah. I think like, you can do, if, if you live forever, you do the Highlander thing, which is they're like. They're just, they're grifters. Well, in compound interest. <laughs> or, like, or even, it's like, kind of like, oh, I've found an old uh an old uh, pair of jeans and i reached in and there was like a, a there was like a dime that's now worth ten thousand dollars right you just have <laughs> things and then you like you say you die on paper and you inherit your own stuff to like exchange yeah. wealth that's what that's what he does in highlander that, and i was like yeah it makes that sense goes all the way rich. back to uh, bram stoker's uh, dracula where count yeah. dracula just wanders around europe and is just buying mansions yeah 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 He's got all that wealth. If you yeah, live forever, yeah. he, I mean... Vampires are rich. If I, fucking Mike Dexter can somehow fake a medical degree every, like, uh, 30 <laughs> years, I think you can get his kid out of fucking high school. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, Lincoln, Lincoln Park, <laughs> I was going to say. 
Caleb's eyes are uh, turning red right now. <laughs> I was going to say, Linkin Park and Paramore have that um, sort of uneasy friendship, I think, that uh, they both sound quite similar in a lot of ways. And I think, did, a, did Haley Williams sing on a Linkin Park song or something? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. I have. love vampires, man. I don't love Paramore. <laughs> Those, Paramore and Linkin Park were both bands that uh, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson bonded over while making these movies. Yeah, they later dated. And that's right. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why uh, Pattinson auditioned and did this role. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, Kristen Stewart, I, I'm a fan of hers. Like, I'll, I'll check it out. He beat like 400 other dudes to, to get this role. To be this massive creep. <laughs> well, he had to work out a ton for the role and do like dance and fighting choreography. And I'm like, how much did he work out? Because he's not that big. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a little guy. Yeah. If he, He's the fucking new Batman. That's true. He keeps getting COVID and whatever, but they're trying to make that fucking movie. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's like publicly um he's like gone he did like a little bit of a like a 5-year shame tour about all the money he made off the Twilight movies. I mean, hey man. But he's back in the good graces of Hollywood. You do you do 5 for them, 1 for you. That's a <laughs> Oh man, apparently Stephen Meyer was profiting like around 50 million dollars a year for yeah. a good chunk of time from this franchise which is just bananas we have to get into young adult fiction YA oh my god man Harry Potter and this if that's not testament alone even and, like Maze Runner like we should just write a Maze Runner together oh and man just, and the, oh, you know the clean. books are not written that well they read like a They're you know, like a cheesy <laughs> romance novel that you would buy at a grocery store it, and I, I haven't I haven't read them but uh, that's the biggest critique is that it like is. it's young adult fiction so you know it's not gonna be great but it, it does look like it's written by an eighth grader <laughs> we nuts. need to do the thing we we <laughs> off mic we're constantly talking about uh whether we should start a right-wing grift and if we can somehow because this is like almost a little bit of a young adult and a right-wing because it's a mormon like uh it's like a chastity tale oh yeah uh, if we can somehow combine the both and, and yeah, write, it's all about abstinence write the first fucking alt-right <laughs> ya novel okay we gotta do like a pro-life <laughs> young adult like superhero movie yeah <laughs> We're going to be millionaires. We're going to be millionaires. <laughs> you guys want to hear some of track five? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. This is Mute Math with Spotlight, Twilight Mix. a funny track i feel like the at least the music for that track is kind of like radiohead on steroids or something i can see that it's definitely i feel like in the same kind of ecosystem as like the killers or franz ferdinand it's got a some like sweet hand claps which i'm always a fan of Mm -hmm. (laughs) this was a song that was uh written for the movie yeah and uh it came out uh you know on the soundtrack in 2008 and then it was later featured on their album that they put out that same year and uh kept them on the tv circuit you know playing letterman Fuck, man. american band new orleans uh what part of the movie is this this is when like they're based they're, uh, edward and bella arrive at school together and they're kind of like official you know it's like he's like got his arm everyone's her. looking at us yeah and he's flying so close to the sun like <laughs> you can almost see that sparkle in his eye <laughs> yeah, it's a little diamond skin boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> dude when i was watching this movie i like forgot about the sparkly skin thing until halfway through because it's like it's a vampire movie but right. you like you really keep forgetting about it because it almost exclusively happens during the day mm-hmm. yeah, they break all the rules the traditional vampire rules well, that's the thing and we were joking about like there's still the vampire stereotypes during the baseball game when they get into fight mode <laughs> superhuman strength and yeah, do the cat hiss. And climb trees like nobody's business. Like, okay, so there are, I mean, we, we talk about different vampire rules, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, super strength and super speed sometimes. Uh, no one's turned into bats here. There's no, like, sometimes they can transform into different things. Well, this but, one, they, ha- they all have, like, uh, individual powers that they don't really, <laughs> they don't die. I'm sure in the sequels they get into it, but they're kind of the like, oh, well. yeah, she can see the future and you know something else over there he don't worry about it he reads your mind he yeah. reads everybody's mind and dad's like a good doctor that's his vampire skill <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's and an investment the power thing. of medicine yeah but they financially can, uh, prudent yeah. <laughs> they can wander around in the sun but they just get a little sparkly yeah for some reason i i remember like having issue with that like when i first saw the movie um probably 2010 or whatever but um this time around i was like whatever who cares yeah, like, yeah. they can be vampires they, it, it, subsisting on human blood i guess is the only prerequisite to vampirism i suppose eternal life and subsisting on human blood but and uh waiting till marriage i guess is <laughs> one of uh, edward's superpowers you gotta do it right you gotta do it right it, look we're, we're monsters but come on we're not monsters <laughs> And I guess Stephanie Meyer coming from rules. like Mormon background, you know, in all the Twilight movies, there's n- no scene of anyone ever drinking or smoking. And oh, interesting. And like, I guess the the group of like drunken um, like creeps that are trying to attack Bella in that one part are like the only drunk people you meet. It's kind of like hood- Wait, no, hoodlums. It's not true. You see, um, uh, the dad is drinking those uh, Rainier beers, which is like a local brewery. Oh yeah, they're oh, drinking okay. a lot. No, that's a uh, growing never up. The, yeah. never, never the kids, I guess. There's, There's like a few like local that's nods, true. and that's like a big, you know, it's like a, I don't know like what a stereotype would be, but the vitamin R thing is like everybody's like, oh yeah, drink some vitamin R. Curious yeah, what else? Yeah. I, I thought the dad was, uh, you know, not bad in the movie. It, it kind of seemed like it could have almost been played by Bill Hader. <laughs> I like the dad, but there's there is a, a certain strand where it's like. I feel like the actor that's the dad and the actor that's the high schooler are not that different in age. You just put a mustache on somebody and they're suddenly like 30 years older. Oh, yeah. Mustache. If you're a cop dad, you gotta have a mustache, yeah, yeah. first of all. But um, I was laughing about, you know, there's a lot of voiceover in the beginning and some some screenwriters would say that's like lazy writing. Uh, <laughs> this, because it's a book that's like kind of Bella's diary, I can, I'm like, okay, let's get away with it. But there are so many scenes that are like tell don't show it's like <laughs> my dad was the local police chief and it shows him like as a policeman talking about being a police chief and you're like just do that and then it's like we move from here it's like you're gonna have to move to the forks you know that right i haven't seen you in a while we haven't seen each other forever it's like you know it's, it's all shown and it's so obvious then it's just double downing like you get it I will say, nobody gives a shit, but uh, Forks definitely doesn't have a police chief. There's, like, maybe a sheriff or something. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very small town. <laughs> All right, we get it. <laughs> Forks is tiny. One thing I want to talk about, uh, there's a scene where, <laughs> maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, Robert Pattinson is, like, driving away. He's, like, he, like, smells something. He's, like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And it's the, uh, the, you know, the, the werewolves are rolling in. Mm-hmm. And it's the the Native American like dad like Jacob's dad or whatever, mm-hmm. 
and he gives them the Luigi death stare yeah. as they like pass each other, and it's one of the funniest scenes in He's the movie. Cruising in the Volvo, and he just kidding. Yeah, it's a Volvo in a truck. The Volvo. Yeah. And he goes, it's a safe car. Okay. Indestructible. Indestructible. <laughs> you guys want to hear some of track six? Let's do it. This is Perry Farrell with "Go All the Way Into the Twilight." You asked me out on many dates and took me to exotic places Saw the look upon your face You men must really love the chases I'm going to let you have it Like you've never had before So take me, take me, take me say uh perry farrell from jane's addiction porno for pyros fame mm-hmm. invented Lollapalooza. owns like a stake in Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. Th- this song is such a turd it's one of the worst uh, songs i've heard in a long time i saw him at Lollapalooza. oh yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like he totally missed the brief on this song he, you know obviously he wrote the song for the movie and uh you know he's like t- you know gets the brief and it says twilight he's like twilight yeah into the twilight Go all the way into the twilight. Yeah. I, he's like actually proud of this really <laughs> shitty song. I think he uh, stuck to the brief pretty darn quick or pretty darn hard. I think. He's well, this is a it's a movie all about not going all the way. Yeah, there's yeah. it's a that's like basically the whole thing. It's so like, you could go all the way, but you choose not to. It's like edging it's for hard. high school girls. But uh, <laughs> the music video for this song too is just a bunch of strippers eating strawberries. There's a music ter- video for ter- this. Terrible. Ah, uh, Perry Farrell. I ah, uh, I like. Jane's Addiction quite a bit. And I re- actually like Porno for Pyros more than I think anybody I know. Uh, God damn, this is bad. This is really bad. I think bad. Jane Says kind of is where it stops for me with Perry oh, yeah. Farrell. Mm, yeah. Okay. I, I th- he has a cool um, Rolling Stones cover. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um, this is playing when he's entering or when they enter the prom, uh, which is Monte Carlo themed. <laughs> That's a genius idea. Yeah. Why did they need to talk about it? I guess it's what you talked about. I gotta say, Forks, Washington is a small logging town. I think in high school, I would say that the graduating class is probably something in the low hundreds, maybe a couple hundred, maybe 150. They don't have like... What was y'all said? Uh, like the verandas. <laughs> I'm gonna say, like, I, it's strange that you're taking issue with the size of the town and not the vampires and werewolves. You're like, that town it cannot support that infrastructure. <laughs> it's like, who cares? There's fucking vampires and wolves running around. You're like, well, that's fine. I mean, Forks, you know, they've got some issues. But. What was y'all's uh, high school prom theme? If you had one, I think it was like uh, Arabian Nights or something, mm-hmm. and there was like a, you know an elephant on the thing yeah, okay i guess i was out of the country i didn't go to my prom you didn't go to prom dude no i think we talked about this one of the i think we have Wait, yeah, our school been- was so small we had prom for four years in a row and i remember like two one of them was under the sea like back mm-hmm. to the future and another one was a uh, stairway to heaven i don't yeah. remember the other two yeah, i think ours was maybe like mardi gras and then arabian nights or something mm-hmm. like that or or vice versa but um yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I felt bad uh, that Bella turned that one guy down for prom. She's like, oh, I'm in Jacksonville. And then 
you know, she showed up at prom. Like, I was like, I feel bad about, move. uh, there's like, you got to go with, um, what's her name? There are the actors Anna that, Kendrick. uh, there's the actors that are the, the, like the normie friends who, first of all, are definitely younger actors. Yeah. They're and, the actual high school age. And the styling is so out of control with like the vampire high schoolers. And that I think that they have to like kind of, uh, purposefully make like the normies look like shit. Yeah. So like that kid just has like a bad haircut and everybody else has these like fucking crazy in sync wigs that yeah. they come in with. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's just kind of like, <laughs> this kid has like a letterman's jacket. It's like, yeah, he just looks like a normal high school. He's a pretty good looking kid, but it's like, oh, this fucking piece of shit. I'm not going to problem with this <laughs> yeah, guy. Gross. Why don't you I'm go gonna, ask Anna Kendrick? I don't know. There's this 26 year old that says I smell good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys want to hear some track seven? Yeah. Let's do it. This is Collective Soul with Trimble for My Beloved. I do have uh, quite a bit to talk about Collective Soul, but before yeah. I do, do you want to talk about the Wawa pedal <laughs> and oh. the abuse of? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I don't mind that so much. This was like a song that came out uh, nearly 10 years before the uh, soundtrack came out. And, okay. uh, you know, this is another one that was cherry picked by Stephanie Meyer for the film. And uh, Collective Soul has had quite a bit of music and soundtracks that we should get to at some point, like Varsity Blues and Scream 2. Ah. And, uh, you know, this song being on the soundtrack definitely helped connect the dots for them with a whole new generation of younger fans and people would come to their shows and, you know, they'd recognize this song and then they'd play Shine or December and they the kids would be like, oh, I didn't, I like the song. I didn't know this was Collective Soul. Well, like, like even crazier than that, it's like, I think in their mind, it's like, it's like, that's like classic rock at that point because yeah. Shine and December, I think are fucking jams, but these, these are songs like that came song, out. Yeah. They were like, uh, definitely, I think Collective Soul maybe even predated like the grunge explosion and got kind of subsumed into it, even though they were a lot more polished and a little bit more uh, conventional, I would say than a lot of like the big grunge bands. Proto grunge maybe. Well, yeah, I think they were just kind of um, maybe proto alternative rock. Okay. And uh, I think that in my opinion, collective soul has maybe aged a little bit better than a lot of the definitive grunge acts because they seem a little less dated in their sound. And uh, some of those old songs I, I really enjoy. I did pull up a song of Collective Souls that I was not aware of that I found randomly while uh, you know researching the soundtrack. It's mm -hmm. from it's from their 1995 self-title album, and it's called "The World I Know." And it came out well before that Goo Goo Dolls song "Iris" came out. Right. And it's exactly the same song. <laughs> wow! You guys want to hear the intro to the "The World I Know"? Please. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> even when the beat comes in with the strings, it's like the exact same song. I remember this song. I, I had this yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's Iris, and I don't know how Goo Goo Dolls never you, got in trouble for that. Are you telling me Goo Goo Dolls might have ripped somebody <laughs> off? They ripped off this, this Collective Soul song. Breaking my from brain. From 95. Dude. Oh my God. Dude, collective Good Soul. Good song, man. Yeah. Underrated. 
not by a ton, but by a little. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this song is playing when Edward uh, saves Bella from Tyler's car. Tyler, one of the normies. Van- what is he doing in the parking lot, by the All way? Right. <laughs> Was he like trying to do like a like a, a donut and then just like just wildly goes out of control? I got, I got two things to say about mm-hmm. this scene. Yeah. First of all, I in my recollection, there are maybe two black characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. One is some random high schooler that almost kills Bella. Yeah. And another is an evil vampire who's like, maybe not evil. <laughs> and there's a waitress. It's good for oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but growing up in uh, in in the peninsula of uh, Washington State, mm-hmm. it's probably overrepresentation. There's no black people. Um, I mean, whatever. So, so yeah, <laughs> he saves her, and then he turns into like the grossest gaslighting bastard. <laughs> Just like, yeah. uh, I don't know what you think you saw, but nobody's gonna fucking believe you. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> no. Who's gonna believe you? <laughs> Who's gonna believe you? Yeah, and his dad's a doctor. that's like, oh, maybe he got bumped in the head and imagined things. Yeah, <laughs> and like that happens at the end too. When they're like, yeah, Edward told me everything that happened, uh, and that's that you fell down the stairs and then through a window, and he explained that you wouldn't remember any of that when She's you woke clumsy. up. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. This movie is ridiculous. Dude, the sexual dynamics of this movie are so troubling. There's a lot of like white knighting happening and like that's There's so much like I'm going to protect you and I'll also tell you. you what's best and yeah. uh, be around all the time and watch you sleep. Yeah. You can't protect yourself. I'm also an, an old, old man. <laughs> he needs to protect you. Chris, uh, what is that protected. white knighting for the uh, listeners at oh, home? It's like when, uh, well, I mean, I think it, it rose into more popularity with the internet. Like, hey. I'm going to stand up for this woman who can't stand up for herself. And then I'm going to do it because she should have sex with me afterwards. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like the, the nice guy. Like I'm a nice guy. So I deserve to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's that sort of, uh, that's what like, I think the, the white knight, um, it's a good definition. Yeah, yeah. So the main character, Robert Pattinson's character, Edward, mm-hmm. um, his vampire gift is being able to read minds mm-hmm. but he can't read bella's mind. inexplicably which is also it's like kind of half of the fucking uh true blood uh thing too it's the mm-hmm. exact same thing mm-hmm. uh but also for somebody who can read minds it at least in the first installment it never plays a part in anything mm-hmm. like nothing nothing in the plot would be different if he couldn't read minds right no, there's a lot of unnecessary. There's like a little bit of his like. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about the. I guess the villain question mark. Uh, at some point, he's like, uh, he's planning on uh, hunting and killing you, yeah. and we have to. And it's he like he can't what? stop. Yeah, that's it. No, he's. We have to kill him. <laughs> we have to kill him. So weird. Trust us. He has to die. We have to rip him apart and burn the pieces, which they say twice. Yeah. And, like, and then Bella, Bella, also Bella, the seventeen-year-old girl, watches them rip a human or but they a don't human really, vampire. They don't really mm-hmm. show it. <sighs> no, but her, she's facing yeah, 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 it. Yeah. You know, so you know. She, I mean, talk about like what has she gotten herself into? She's like, I love him. <laughs> and I'm oh, constantly under threat of murder. The weird, uh, okay, so like the weird kind of uh, end game slash climax we'll get to later, but I have a lot to say about that. Uh, Nikki, well, what, what track do we have next? We are coming up on a break, actually. Oh, we're coming so up on a break. We do have to thank Collective Soul for that track, but we should take a break. Um, at the end of the episode, we are going to add a track to the track listing Spotify playlist um, in honor of Twilight. We're going to add a song that's uh, a lot older than it seems. You guys get that? It's maybe uh, maybe even a little weird. (laughs) It's a lot older. 
and then after the break, I think we have a game. That's right. And I've got right. a game prepared for you guys. Uh, Chris, Chris has got a game for us. A very spooky game. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. <laughs> All this and nothing else when we return. Stick with us. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Tracklisting Podcast and sticking with us through these crazy times that we live in in 2020. If you haven't already checked out our Instagram, please do. That's at Tracklisting Podcast. And check out our Twitter. That's at Tracklisting Pod. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to tell your friends about it, we'd really appreciate it. Spread the word. Get everybody listening to the Tracklisting Podcast. Yeah, and make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow our Tracklisting Spotify playlist on Spotify. You have to say Spotify twice. I didn't Do mean it to again. say it's... Start, go from the beginning. Chris, from the read, beginning? Chris from read the beginning. what's on the page. I was kind of thinking I'd no, just... No, if, if you could just read from the page. I'm, I'm kind of doing an improv thing here. It's kind of what I do. from the top. So, okay. okay. Uh, Chris is the comedian. Okay, uh, coming in on one. Um, and make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and uh, follow our track listing Spotify playlist. And um... I, I'm nervous. You okay. guys are really... From the top? Uh, we've been here we'll for hours, it, guys. Just do it from the top and do it right this time. Rate and review us on Spotify. <sighs> Chris, you got this. Chris, if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> you guys are putting a lot of pressure on me. I'm cracking under pressure. Just All right. One more time. track listing Can podcast. I just thank the listeners and let's get out of here? Start from the top. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Two, three hundred. Empire. Oh, baby gonna cry. <laughs> I'm not crying. It's, it's sweat. It's sweat from my eyes. <laughs> we better get back to the soundtrack. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Twilight Soundtrack. You know what this sound means. We have another edition of Tinsel Town The game that I hate. <laughs> Very on Christopher Darden. Take it away, Chris. <laughs> That's right. It's the game you all hate. You love to hate it and you don't love it at all. Here it's... <laughs> Tinsel Town Tunes. So much enthusiasm for something I don't want to do, but let's do it. Thank you, Hollywood Woo! Follies, for the uh, royalty-free music. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, what Nick is going to be kind enough to do is play a clue that I've prepared, and it's a part from a movie when someone is singing. Okay. And you guys are going to have to identify both the actor and the name of the movie. Fair enough. You, you can right. do it? We got, we're going to have to work together on this one because yeah. uh, the overlap of films that, that Chris knows very well and films that I have watched ever is mm-hmm. pretty slim. Yeah. <laughs> Look, these are some softball ones, okay? I, I thought I got a bit too obscure the last couple of seven or eight times I've played this game. Okay, in, the, okay. in the spirit of vampire baseball. <laughs> Let's jump uh, in. Clue these, one. These should Clue be one. movies everybody knows. Okay. Kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned I I know that, but why do I not know that? I, I know it. Okay. I would feel better about myself if you hadn't introed it by saying that these were softballs. But that is... Uh, <laughs> 
from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That is Jason Siegel's. That's uh, his song. His like uh, his cantata about. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this very Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> it, was with, it was with the puppets, and it was uh, the Dracula. Show. I can't even remember what the what the theme of the musical with puppets that he was putting together That's was. That's right. That is. I'm going to exact- say Jason Siegel yep. from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 ding. Very good. It's an easy one. It's an easy one. Hey, it's vampire theme. It's it's on theme. Vampire puppet show. Believe that. Yeah, Yeah. it's his Dracula musical, Uh, which I would love to see. I think they should have done a full production of that. Um, Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's crank up the heat a bit. Uh, Okay, let's see what clue two. See if you guys can get this one. Here's clue two. Just love me till you don't know how. Keep on to the four stars. Don't stop till you get enough. Keep on to the four stars. Ah, don't stop till you get enough. Keep on to the four stars. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> All right, I, I do know. I think I know. I know that that's the uh, Michael Jackson Don't Stop Till You Give Enough. What, what uh, album's that on? That's off, off the wall. Off the wall. Off, off the, the planet. planet. <laughs> More like it. Jeez. So good. Uh, but I do not recognize uh, the Tisseltown Tunes version. Ooh. That Mickey, is maybe you could help me out. Chris Tucker in Rush Hour 2. On the money. Hey! All right. There you go, right. Nick. All right. We're uh, you nice doing business with you. Racking up these imaginary <laughs> points. We're shaking hands with gloves on. Nah, it's too bad that was another really easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? These last two, I think you guys, it's it's a toss up. It's a toss up. In my head, I was like, uh, what vampire was singing to Michael Jackson? But apparently we lost the theme already. I think maybe that's like <laughs> hearkening back to chris tucker doing his like mj impression maybe on def jam comedy he's done it like in every movie he's ever done i think yeah. he's done it in both rush hours i think he did a lot of it and um he's probably like Fifth the Element. only stand-up to ever do a michael jackson, jackson impression. impression yeah it's untrodden territory <laughs> sorry eddie murphy clue three <laughs> nobody 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 i saw nobody. the sign okay what do we think there's a lot of clues in there um sounds okay. like something that could be from super bad but Oh, by the way, yeah, there's two voices. I want both names. There's two songs. There's two voices. There's also two songs. songs. One of them is Ace of Bass. Mm-hmm. Um, the the guy who's not doing Ace of Bass, who's doing the, uh, I can't remember what song that is, but the Nobody. Mm-hmm. I think that's Samuel L. Jackson. That sounds like Sam Jackson. <laughs> it sounds like Sam Jackson, which is like weird that I can't place it. And I'm trying to think of what um, kind of uh, Sam Jackson buddy comedy. Is that like... A scene in Pulp Fiction, maybe? No, 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 mm. no. This mm-hmm. is definitely looser. Um, Snakes. I was like... Oh. You guys are on the money with Sam Jackson. Do you want to hear it one more time Let's and listen it. for the ace of bass? Let's yeah, here's clue time. three once again. Let's see if you can identify this actor. Nobody! 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 I saw nobody, the sign. Nobody! And it opened nobody, up nobody, eyes. I saw nobody, the sign. Nobody! 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 Nobody!
<laughs> opened up my eyes, I saw the sign. Did you like that, motherfucker? Oh, oh God. That last part. I was going to say Paul Red for a second, then it was like, no. No, that voice no, in the last that, part was so familiar. The dialogue. I don't know if I've seen this movie. When I was thinking, oh, God, shit, that voice. That voice is very familiar. Do we want to hear the voice once again? If you could just play the very end of that. <laughs> opened up my eyes, I saw the sign. Did you like that, motherfucker? That's Ryan Reynolds. It's a movie that I haven't seen, but it's like the bodyguard's that, bodyguard or the hitman's bodyguard. That is correct. Hey, it is I Ryan Reynolds. Hitman. I figured you guys hadn't seen that, but oh. I thought both voices were so distinct. Buddy comedy. Very good, Caleb. Action buddy comedy. They do a little bit of singing right. in that. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to check it out. I'm yeah. not going to watch that movie. Don't watch it. <laughs> Clue four. All right. Clue four. This is for all the imaginary marbles. All right. To chase all your cares away Shout hallelujah Come on, get happy Get ready for the judgment day All right, I think I know the singer, but not the movie. Okay, give me the singer. Is that Nora Jones? It is not Nora Ah. Jones. Is it Diane Keaton? Is not Diane Keaton. You're halfway in between. <laughs> nice. Somewhere in between Trying Diane in. Keaton and Nora Jones. I feel like I can imagine like Scarlett Johansson singing in that kind of... Uh, that sultry lounge singing. Oh, that like uh, song from her. Maya Rudolph or something. Mm. Um, let's hear it one more yeah, time. you guys are pretty cold. It's, like, <laughs> it's freezing just, in trying here. Trying to help you out. Trying to help you out. This is the tricky one. Uh, give us a year before we listen to the track. 2019. Oh, I haven't watched any movies from 2020. Okay. It is cold well, in here. That's we not haven't. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's clue four once again. Better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and... Maybe because Zoe Deschanel. Is this a comedy? It is the opposite of a comedy. It is a, a, a drama. Dramedy. Dramedy. <laughs> Rom-com. It's a horror movie. No. <laughs> uh, no, it's a dr- Snuff film. It's a drama, and here's a big hint. It's a biopic. Uh, and now I'm trying to think of who who did that song. Is it like a Billie Holiday? Jazzy biopic? Yeah. Do we know who did that song? That's a big... Come that's on, a, get happy. The huh? selection of song is a big clue. I want to say it's Billie Holiday. Is it not Billie Holiday? It's not Billie Holiday. She might have sang it, but not... Wait. Is it Billie Holiday? <laughs> Ella uh, Fitzgerald. He... I don't, I don't think it was him. <laughs> I don't think it was I him. I got nothing on this one. No, I don't have it. I definitely have not seen the movie. Do we know who sang Come On, Get Happy? It was Billie Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> it is by a woman named, uh, or a version of it is sang by Judy Garland. Uh-huh. Oh, Did- I didn't watch this movie. Is it, uh, shit. Um, Black Swan. Um, no. Natalie, no? no. Is that Natalie Portman? It's, uh, no, you're thinking of Jackie. Thinking this of is Jackie. Judy. And this is Renee Zellweger. In the oh, movie. Judy. 2019. And you okay. watched this film. And I watched this film. You watch, and it you watch it in a theater? No, I watched it on Friday night and I cried. You watched <laughs> it at home. 
It was your choice. You wanted to watch this movie? Um, it was a, a, a compromise, but I really enjoyed it. And I think everyone, everyone, yeah. all listeners, you should watch Judy. You enjoyed the movie. This is a movie that people have seen. This is a movie that people have seen. There's, people we uh, know. It is, Renee Zellweger, it is a tour de force. She got Oscar nominated for it. I remember that part, but people have seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have to move back into the soundtrack. Thank you, Chris, for hey, another edition of Tinsel Always ends in a, uh, you know, very dark place. <laughs> They're pushing us off the stage tonight. <laughs> Come on, get happy. Crowd pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. All right, you guys ready to jump back into the Twilight soundtrack? Let's do it. Nothing more. We're coming back in on track number eight. This is Paramore once again with I Caught Myself. I had said this was a band I could never get on board with, and after hearing their previous song on the soundtrack and this one, I, I still can't get on board. <laughs> so bad. What? Dude, what is, what is going on with the drumming in this track? That it's- is some L.A. session <laughs> drumming right there. This classic uh, West Coast drum sound. <laughs> oh, do more with less. Uh, I don't know, man. Doing this podcast is funny because I know that uh, a lot of people, music is a very subjective thing. <laughs> And uh, everybody has, and I feel like as as like uh, critics of music as we are, yeah. we have like a very broad appreciation of music. We appreciate a lot of different types of music. Optimists, we're optimists, but I still, <laughs> I can't help but like hate the music I hate. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I hate this band, but you know something close to hate. And but I feel really bad for because I know that people love this band. Alternative rock. Man. I know that people yeah. love this band, but I don't love this band. I hate this band. We here really look hard for the redeeming qualities in a lot of stuff that shouldn't we shouldn't have to look that hard and we do. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes we still don't find it. I'll mm-hmm. just say that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> But I know that if, if I were like uh, you know, 15, 20 years younger than I was and you know, maybe Mormon or something. I would be really into this song. Well, I do know <laughs> yeah, that, like, in an alternate reality, yeah, maybe yeah. somehow so I could <laughs> possibly like this song. It's basically what you just said. So, I, mean, I know that I've defended songs that are probably as bad as this, that are just uh, of a certain time that I love them. Mm-hmm. But this is a bad song, man. Huh? You know, Stephanie Meyer was asked in some interview why she thinks that her books are so successful across different age groups. And, you know, as well as this series, you know, the books and the movies did with uh, the young adult audience. It also did really well with people in their 30s and 40s. Yeah. So I'm just trying to picture this uh, (laughs) going back to that Hot Topic soundtrack release party. You know, there probably would have been quite a interesting mix of people at the mall for this uh, for this release. Dude, uh, but she but Stephanie did say in the uh, interview that she had no idea why. You know, they also ask her why she kept, what's her fascination with writing about uh, high school kids. And she said, well, I don't really, but, you know, that's just the characters that needed to happen to tell the story I wanted to tell. Yeah. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a sexual thing, I think is the yeah, answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's some like deep-seated Mormon yeah. repression. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. No question. 
Um, <laughs> this soundtrack, I can't help but think about this soundtrack in this movie, 2008, but everything screams 1998 to me. <laughs> See, I, I disagree. I think, as, oh, really? as I, I stated, it was like MySpace come to life, Yeah. but peak of MySpace was like 2005. It's when I was still in college, yeah. Yeah, like That's 2004, really no, well, uh, maybe 2003, 2004, 2005. Passion Pit got famous yeah. starting on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Passion Pit is on one of the sequel soundtracks. It's not on this one. Of course. Of course. <laughs> but I feel like the music is the, I mean, as we've stated, it was at the time the book came out and as it hit the screen, I think it was a few years too late, but this is literally like the whole vibe screams like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Hot topic, uh, MySpace. Do we know like how, emo how many years before the films, kids. before the film franchise came out that the books were published? Cause this, uh, this film came out, the first one came out in 2008. 2006 was the first book. Yeah. That's Pretty right. soon. That's, that's, yeah. That's, that's kind of surprising to me. Um, Man, she got rich so fast. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, what part of the movie is this? Is this in? It's when uh, Angela and Jessica and uh, Bella, of course, are trying. Or Bella's not trying on the dresses, but they've driven to that like nearby town to try on some dresses. Oh god, small Near- town dress shops. Yeah. Nearby town. Okay, I should say Port. An- they go to Port Angeles. That's right. Which is not a nearby town. That is the fucking city. Oh, okay. Uh, growing up, that was Ooh, a city. That city folk from it's Port probably, Angeles. That's where you could have gotten a tux if you'd gone to your prom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. By the time I was prom, I was living outside of Portland, Oregon. Okay, but, uh, okay. No, this was like an hour and a half away from where Caleb grew up. This was like the big city you would roll into, and it was like... Uh, I would say, I think it's a small city. I think it's larger than a large town. How, but, uh, how accurate are the depiction of roving bands of men waiting to assault high schoolers? I mean, they, they should have been more, um, they should have been older and more methy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I think like the, the, frat the, jocks. the bigger like leap was like the, uh, like the bookshop that they went to. Yeah. I don't know how many bookstores are in Port Angeles, but I would say maybe one <laughs> and it'd probably be a Barnes and Noble. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, if you take your Volvo out from, uh, Forks to Port Angeles, I, there's that so, Volvo again. That, yeah. Yeah. He, Our <laughs> official sponsor for I the like Twilight it, podcast. People talk about, so Edward has like a, the ability to read minds, but mm-hmm. that's something that like figures more prominently in the plot of the film is that he's like a, pro, he's like a Tokyo drifter. He's yeah. got like, first doesn't wear a seatbelt, doesn't have to. And loves, then loves the speed. <laughs> he's fucking flying around on those. Oh my God. Tokyo drifting <laughs> everywhere, man. Loves a drift. Saw it coming from the van. The van was drifting. He's like, I know another trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, so, uh, Anna Kendrick, uh, plays Jessica mm-hmm. and apparently, um, Jessica is the combination of two characters from the book, which is like, uh, Jessica and Lauren, I think is the other, um, person. So I guess she kind of pulls double weight, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I was laughing a lot about, uh, <laughs> just Kristen Stewart's, her head movements the whole time. <laughs> It, it's so distracting and i know that's been covered a lot that she's constantly like messing with her hair and like uh, i'm just like i guess i'm a different <sighs> kind of girl i don't know but a lot it, of emo angst oh my god and like me in a dress <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't dance <laughs> my old uh, uh impression of kristen stewart i used to do was like can i stay over because i'm um, things are kind of messed up at home right now. <laughs> this is like, I was like 
fragile and I, I, I think Kristen Stewart in this movie uh, did to high school girls what emo did to high school guys which was ruin a generation <laughs> of young people uh, and that like I have feelings and you have no idea you have no idea the feelings that I have do you guys want to jump into track number nine yes but <laughs> I guess we have to <laughs> Alrighty, this is Blue Foundation with Eyes on Fire. I got nothing for you to gain. Eyes on fire, your spine is so grace. Feeling in full in my gaze. And just in time. Got another song here that was featured uh, in CSI Miami, Ooh. so 2008. And, what, uh, what are the scenes that have these songs? Do you think <laughs> just like some montage of them trying to figure out some oh, weird yeah, shit? Probably. Yeah, this song was also featured in Miami Vice. Just uh, with the the remake, the movie. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, it's not anachronistic. <laughs> it's not like time travel. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know. Uh, this is playing when uh, Bella notices that Edward's not in school. She thinks he's <laughs> run off. Oh, he disappears for like a week, and she's uh, totally heartbroken. <laughs> he's revolted by her smell. <laughs> I, I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of questions. I got a couple of comments about this. First of all, okay, so yeah, uh, they they share one class together, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, biology. biology yeah. So <laughs> he originally is so overboard, disgusted by her smell. I guess because he doesn't want to eat her up mm-hmm. and he has like really dark eyes and then he comes back and he has light eyes and yeah. I guess the implication is that he is like eating a deer or something yeah and mm-hmm. uh, because later you see <laughs> we haven't even talked about I guess the villains of the piece yeah. uh, because they're so um, unrelated to most of the plot of the movie but there are um, there are killings happening in Forks, Washington throughout mm-hmm. the film, mm-hmm. and they are mainly meant as a red herring to make you believe that uh, the Collins are that all Edward and all these uh, these creepy old high schoolers have been murdering people in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, there are some unrelated vampires who have been murdering people. They're just passing through. Yeah, just <laughs> coming through Forks, Washington. <laughs> Do some murdering. And then... Uh, a group of vampires, a trio of vampires that uh, maybe have been alive for a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, I think Edward and crew have been alive for about 100 years. Yeah. And uh, this other crew of vampires is like coming close to 300 years. Oh. Which would be pretty... Uh, it's a yeah. long time to be but then, around. But it kind of seems like... A, I don't know. It's You've seen the sequels, so I'm sure you know more than Unfortunately, I've seen all yeah. five movies. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so... There's a thing where when you meet the evil vampires, they all have very red eyes because I guess they've been uh, killing people and drinking their blood. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, the colons just eat deer. And so he has really dark eyes and he comes back and he's much more relaxed and less horny. And he's got really light eyes. Yeah. Which I guess he's like filled up with deer blood, which makes his eyes like kind of a, like a very fetching. Like, yeah. Raw Sienna. Yeah, he gets a little moody when he gets hangry in all these movies. <laughs> I think it's the the ticks uh, in the deer blood that uh, make it green. <laughs> it's the Lyme disease that he keeps getting. <laughs> Why does she love this guy? Um, I get it. Uh, but, uh, 
<laughs> he's got a nice volvo and he's like 26 yeah man yeah he's cool um i think uh I, I laughed at how shirtless the other vampires were like that was a big part of the like the the passing through evil vampires i guess well is that josh his name's James in it, maybe? Yeah, James. I think the James shark. is the bad guy. James There's, is the bad guy. And the, the main vampires have, like, a lot of hair treatments going on, and it's very intense. And mm-hmm. I think, like, the the bad vampires are not in the film enough to get, like, the full hair treatment in, and, and, like, kind of an indie, like, uh, whatever, whatever kind of film this is. Lower budget, lower middle budget. And so it's all wig work. Mm-hmm. And there are some, like, very obvious weird wigs. Yeah, there's there's a story about um, one of the Cullen brothers uh, wanted to grow his hair out long enough, and they were like, ah, but he had to shave it for Generation Kill. Oh, um, yeah, that's and, a good mm-hmm. series. And it didn't grow out quick enough, and he was like, ah, dang it. One <laughs> like, of the leads in Generation Kill so was uh, wig. Eric from True Blood, so there's so much vampire <laughs> They have a ton of vampire money. You think they could go see the best hairstylist in Forks. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> and they've been styling that hair for one. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, James is the, the evil vampire. Yeah, he's <laughs> super evil. The tracker, the hunter. <laughs> but that's, dude, I, I'm sure in the novels it's different, but it's... <laughs> They just like they just kind of wander into this uh, baseball game, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, vampires! We're also vampires!" And Can it's we like, play? Can oh, we yeah, get in you on wanna this? Play some baseball, and it's like, okay. And it's like, I'm gonna kill your fucking girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like they have to realize, like the <laughs> the other vampires have to realize that they uh, there are other vampires that associate with humans. Yeah. If they don't. You know, they can't be like, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so much, I, I haven't read the books, but there's so much going on that's unexplained that it's very jarring in the film. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make too much sense. Um, I think fans of the books did have some complaints about the movie that they were not oh. pleased with, <laughs> but uh, can't turn away. Now, did you guys watch the extended edition or did you watch I, the regular I edition? I watched the standard theatrical release. I watched the standard, but halfway through, I regretted not taking the. <laughs> what, what, are, what are some extra pieces that we missed? Interesting you say that. Um, <laughs> I watched the extended edition and about halfway through, I was like, I'm tapping out. I can't, I cannot have any more than I need to watch. <laughs> baseball game just goes for like 45 minutes like what's so, happening so i switched to the rather or like the other version which is side by side on prime and uh it's only four minutes longer <laughs> and the extended there's nothing different it's like oh, oh the, no. there's like some more establishing shots there's no difference and i was like oh god damn it like whatever four minutes extended cut yeah there's that's so any, insane anyone looking for a fun like you know secret in the extended edition you're wasting your time you're oh, wasting dude. four minutes of your time i i texted you halfway through but it was uh when the movie is like doing the intro of high school it's like oh you're new to school we're like the nerds and there's like the wastoids and oh yeah there's those old fucking vampire weirdos that roll in and i was like this is awesome (laughs) this looks interesting i'm looking at track number 10 you guys want to hear let's do it (laughs) this is robert pattinson with never think 
Right, so Carter Burwell, who, <laughs> right, so who we'll get to uh, a little bit later on the soundtrack, uh, who's the composer for the score of the film, did have some uh, very nice things to say about Robert Pattinson's musical abilities, mm-hmm. and for hearing that for the first time, I don't know. All right, so I, I mean, I'll, he's kind of doing like uh, he's, he's trying the, to do his best Jeff Buckley. It sounds like he's doing kind of Jack like Johnson, a David thing. Gray. I okay. don't know if you guys remember David Gray, of course. But that uh, movie once satellite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Dave Matthews. Uh, so I was like listening. <laughs> so I had to pick like uh, okay for the listeners. I pick like the segments of the songs that we listen to generally. And usually, like, you try to get, like, a little lead-in, a little bit of the chorus, part of, like, you know, like, the, the significant chunks of the, of the song. And this one, uh, maybe I'm too much of, like, a... You're saying the song has no meat and potatoes. Dude, it it has no structure. There's no chorus. There's no verses. It just, like, is it this weird... It sounds like he maybe fell asleep while he was singing. <laughs> it keeps meandering, and maybe I'm a slave to, like a like, a pop structure, but I'm like, what is going on in this song? It just keeps, like... I mean, he can uh, apparently play uh, a lot of different instruments. Um, do you guys know anything about his... Just, he has a music career, I believe, of some sort. He played the piano for real in the movie. That was him playing the piano. That's right. Which is exciting. I, I, I just know that he, he supposedly... So he was... We should say he was um, notably in the Harry Potter movies in one of them. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he was Cedric, killed. Cedric Diggory. He's Dead. Like a, just like a... <laughs> It's like a real hot young piece of ass that gets murdered by Voldemort. Yeah, during the Wizards Cup, it was really tragic oh, for everybody terrible. involved. I don't, I don't see the attraction with Robert Pattinson, but maybe it's just me well, as a three-year-old man. So he supposedly <laughs> he like uh, wanted to give up acting, and he was pursuing his music career until the Twilight movies came around. After uh, that, okay. And uh, like I said, he's gone his apology tour, and there's been a bunch of like indies that he's done. The Lighthouse, which I still haven't seen, it's so good. You love Lighthouse. it's so good. I loved it. Um, by all accounts, I've seen a couple of his like uh, weirder roles recently, and they are pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson, uh, Good Times is Robert fantastic. Pattinson is good. Yes, okay. His music is not good. That's true. <laughs> Agree. It's so weird when um, actors really just go like, you know what? Like uh, Mickey Rourke was like, I'm gonna be a boxer. <laughs> You're like. Okay, man, like you might end up being decent at it, but like you got a good thing going here. Why are you trying to be something to me? Like you've already paved the way. To me, this is more akin to like the Johnny Depp, like, you know, you know me from acting, but I've always been just a musician that uh, has acted. Same story with um, (laughs) Billy Bob (laughs) Thornton, (laughs) Jared Leto as well. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, dog star. If anyone, Keanu was like, just a band guy that got dubbed and then he was like well i guess i'll go this direction well the best thing about keanu reeves is that he was just a bass player right that's yeah. it i feel like if you're not just a, front a man, bass player no that's the thing <laughs> the is, foundational elements of the rhythm section <laughs> i'm gonna say like if it's a thing is like well you might know me as an actor but uh i express myself through music it's like the bass player never says that he's like well yeah i was like really like playing bass and then somebody put me in a movie and it turns out I'm an actor, I guess. <laughs> I've seen some photo of him playing bass with cargo shorts on and it's absurd. I kind of love it. Yeah, that's like part of like the Jason Schwartzman like, yeah, I, I, I was a drummer, but uh, it turns out people appreciate an actor more than a drummer. <laughs> Funny. Funny how that works. <laughs> Moving on to track 11. Let's do it. This is Iron and Wine with Flightless Bird, American Mouth. Pissing on the Photos, no 
classic iron and wine there for everybody mm-hmm. iron and wine this was um like i remember the kind of the the salad days of pitchfork.com when people started to, well, at least when i stumbled upon it and uh they was like kind of the early like darling bands of pitchfork that as pitchfork became like a big media thing then it like uh launched the careers of like you would say like vampire weekend right. and mm-hmm. maybe lcd tv on the radio Just before and they got bought by conde nast yeah 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 mm-hmm. and it was iron and wine was at the time i think he his first um record maybe two records i think he was still like working as like a substitute teacher mm. and they were very lo-fi records of just him playing you know they were uh when we talk about you know, it was very throwbacky. You know, it was, it was very lo-fi, and uh, and it launched him into like a huge music career. And I always I have a soft spot for Iron and Wine. Uh, at the same time, I don't ever listen to them anymore. This kind of sounds like it could have been lifted straight out of the uh, Naked Nora's Infinite Playlist yeah. soundtrack. Some Grey's Anatomy bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, is... Kristen Stewart was the one who was a fan of this song. And yeah. <laughs> when you read the story of the soundtrack, there's a lot of people. I mean, that, it's a testament to how, you know, it was a movie that was done with lower expectations where it's like, I'm in the movie and I'm like, hey, let's uh, use this song that I like. And people are like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And it's kind of amazing that like, you know, I, this is a soundtrack that could very well, if somebody told me that it was like orchestrated by, you know, some sort of music producer and it was like a big money thing. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's like kind of a little bit charming to hear that it was like a, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of bands that the author was listening to, that the actors were listening to. Some of the actors made the music on the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of input from like people that were in the movie and stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of charming. kind of cool. Yeah. I like the song okay. That's that's kind of the way I feel about Iron Wine in general. It's like, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This song this is definitely past the period that I stopped listening to Iron and Wine in my life. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad song. Very sleepy, very pretty. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever put it on, but um, I, I don't dislike Iron and Wine for any reason. Um, this is playing during prom when they're, it's the daddy-daughter dance, which is <laughs> <she's laughs> on, very... on his shoes. <laughs> like, why did they include that part? He's <sighs> a super strong vampire. That's true. Okay, I was reminded of this. My girlfriend reminded me. Uh, that um, do you guys know where Fifty Shades of Grey came from? It was a fanfic. It was Twilight fanfic. Twilight fanfic, because if you watch these movies or read the books, I'm sure, it's like at a certain point you're like, why are they not fucking? <laughs> so it was like, oh, what if I wrote a version where they were they only fucking? Did. And it, it was intense. And in this movie where it's <laughs> the like, opposite yeah, of what they're where doing. it's like a lot of like, yeah, I watch you sleep. Is that weird? It's like, uh, no, it's like all this weird control thing. So it, it like slips nicely into the, but yeah, yeah. The, it's, it's fanfic. And apparently the Twilight fanfic is extensive. Um, <laughs> oh, and, interesting. And then a person that was writing a bunch that was like, oh, what if it was like a big city guy and like a similar like Bella character she's like clumsy and like it's Edward but he's a millionaire and just deviant <laughs> like uh, and then she wrote like nine of those I was like they got a book here <laughs> I, I didn't know that but that's interesting because I know that when one of the uh, book sequels for Midnight Sun hmm. was coming out the the release of Fifty Shades of Grey 
uh, they delayed the release of Midnight Sun because they didn't want something that was so similar yeah. coming out at the same time. Yeah, so I the guess market. the fan fiction ended up kind of like, you know, getting in the way of a release of one of these book sequels. They did that with this movie and uh, one of the Harry Potters, the, I think uh, the Deathly Hallows maybe came yeah, out at this right. time. Harry Potter's a vampire. Yeah, yeah, Harry yeah. Potter's Too many vampire. vampire stories. Yeah, too many, you know, just <laughs> magical realism. <laughs> Why aren't they fucking? <laughs> there are. There's a lot of fucking werewolves in Harry Potter. There's That's no true. werewolves in this movie. That's true. That's that true. SNL sketch <laughs> where like Hermione played by uh, Lindsay Lohan comes <laughs> back after that one summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the best sketches. Do you still have your cloak of invisibility? <laughs> yeah. Guys, I have some news for us. We are pulling into the very last track. Oh, oh holy shit. Here we go. Track. Yeah. Coming in on track number 12, this is Carter Burwell with Bella's Lullaby. Carter Burwell, who we talk about quite a bit on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Come up a bunch. I think this is number four. He's done a lot of like uh, Big Lebowski scores, right? He's done all the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah. And uh, we had him first on our Wayne's World 2 episode, That's then right. Big Lebowski, and as of most recently, uh, A Knight's Tale. Yeah. He yeah. Did, did the, oh, uh, yeah. He did, he did a great job on this. David Bowie, like <laughs> anachronistic piece. He's great. He's I great. gotta say, um, as I watch this movie, I found the score very distracting okay and really bad. <laughs> yeah really you might have something in common with one of the executives for the uh for the film production oh, okay this has got um a bit of a of a tingle of the nationwide <laughs> 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 you've changed my mind <laughs> definitely some scenes of this movie that look like they're about to turn into a uh, like a Jared commercial yeah, or like De Beers and this this is when uh, Edward um, Edward Cullen is playing really Robert Pattinson's playing this uh, theme on the piano for Bella that's right in real real life real on screen performance which is impressive one thing I haven't talked about in this film is that uh, I talked a little bit about how I got pumped up early and then I got a little bit of let down late mm-hmm. there's like a very like strong middle portion where edward's like i'm a vampire let's go floating around in these fir trees yeah and i found that so off-putting really and brutal why it's fun because it's like i'm a vampire get on my back yeah (laughs) yeah i sparkle uh, let's lay in the boss the the never-ending story monster all (laughs) of a sudden (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) kristen stewart's on the back like (laughs) (laughs) falcor (laughs) go Yeah, man. It, I guess it, what happens is it kind of, I think it goes, uh, if I'm being honest, I think this film goes to kind of a genre shift where yeah, it builds right. up like it's going to be a, like a horror film, like mm-hmm. a Lost Boys style horror film. And then it goes into like a teenage, like, you know, it goes into like a romantic drama or something. Mm-hmm. With like a little bit of like peril thrown in for no reason. Yeah, the the peril seems the most jarring part to me is that like they yeah, meet this one vampire and it's like <laughs> oh everything's changed now everything's changed and now you got to go to Phoenix and then you got to come back and, <laughs> yeah, and like a bunch of people like running around like now we got to do this now we got to do that yeah <laughs> and you're and like, it, what what and it, and it's like oh go go to the ballet studio <laughs> just go to the ballet studio. <laughs> 
and then because it looks cool like that's the end and the bad guy you never meet before you get told that he's like the bad guy and then there's no Kinda. like real explanation for why he's doing what he does yeah. and it's so fucking weird i i missed the line the first time i saw this movie that um uh, i caught the second time and it's it, it sort of when you're talking about when they're like running around the trees and he's like you know i've killed people and she's like <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> she doesn't say doesn't that. matter. But she's like, I she's love like, you. This is, they haven't even kissed. I love it. It's a very high school away. thing. She's like, yeah, I've killed people too. He's like, what? Have you? It's like, no. <laughs> I don't think they have. I don't think they end up having sex until like movie number four. Yeah. Oh, I mean, don't ruin spoiler. it. Spoiler. Spoiler. I want to go ahead and say out loud <laughs> that we are going to do every single fucking Twilight movie because the soundtracks supposedly get better and better okay. or maybe... Better it's and then just worse a lot better, more news over time, but well, uh, I can't just, wait to do all these. Let's see right. the numbers on this episode. <laughs> and if it's, and it we maybe, it will do every Twilight <laughs> soundtrack. In a row. <laughs> I did find an interesting story about uh, this Bella's Lullaby track. Uh, this was like a song that Carter Burwell wrote many years before he started working on the movie after he got broken up with. Mm-hmm. And then um, in like 2008, when they started working on this, he was asked by the director to come to Oregon just to watch some of the filming uh, before he had actually gotten hired. Nice. And the studio requested adding the scene of Edward playing the piano for Bella because I guess fans had written in once they had gotten <laughs> word that the movie was happening. And yeah. like, you've got to include this scene. And, uh, you know, there was no music for it at that point. So they just shot the scene with Robert Pattinson imp- basically improvising the scene. And then, you know, eventually Carter Burwell got hired to work on the score. And uh, you know, he tried putting in this post breakup song that he wrote like 10 years before that. Yeah. And uh, the director loved it so much that she wanted to go back and reshoot the piano scene so they could get Robert Pattinson playing it for real. And they needed the movie studio's approval to do that. They needed Summit to you know, approve the, uh, the the money for all that. So Carter Burwell had to take a rough sketch of Bella's lullaby into the studio and play it in front of everyone, yeah. which is something they thought he was used to, but usually he's just working with the director and all the notes come through the director. So they went in and played Bella's lullaby and the main executive hated it mm-hmm. because of one, because of the first note. <laughs> In the in the piano melody, which is which is that dissonant B flat in here, it's kind of like a blue note and brown note, more like they they did not approve the reshoot because of this B flat. What? And the the head of production said that teenage girls are going to want something that's sweeter and simpler, and this infuriated Carter Burwell. So. You know, which he said is the challenge for a lot of the scores that he's worked on uh, for these for these uh, for this Twilight franchise is that the challenge is trying to compose music to satisfy a director who's trying to satisfy a, a male executive yeah. who's trying to satisfy ten million teenage girls, Jesus. which doesn't make any sense. So he had basically like finished most of the score at this point, but this was the last piece that they were trying to iron out, and he basically just said "fuck off." And packed up his. He had moved out to California, I think, to work on this for whatever reason. Yeah. And packed up his stuff and left. And was like, "If you want to hire another composer, you know, best of luck, guys." Yeah, I'm going to Phoenix. And he, uh, after he like had some time to cool down, he 
decided to, he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to like my family. My family's like, no, just like make some variations on it. So he made a variation and sent them in, like doesn't really have a sense of like what got played for the executives, but they picked one of them and it's the one that they use in the scene where he's playing the piano. But the one that you hear with this weird B-flat note is the one that you hear at the top of the movie that he refused to take out. Mm. And then that that's kind of peppered throughout the movie. Interesting. And the funny part about all this is at the, uh, at the very end, uh, this girl that he wrote that song for, Christine, Carter Burwell says is, uh, now his amazing and sometimes challenging life... <laughs> Why, why did he throw in the sometimes challenging? Sometimes challenging. He's like, I had to. I gotta get a jab in there somehow. He's like, he's like, you know, in my in my heart, the tune will always be, you know, Christine and ours. But now it's yours as well as Bella's and Edwards. Wow. So uh, that's the song is for you, listeners. That's such. That's a great story, and it's you know one of the reasons why we do this podcast and see how soundtracks come together because it's like a crazy process. But the that note, the. Like, talk about a BS studio note or, or executive, like, suit. Like, what about that one note? Throw the whole thing away. You if know? I know anything about teenage women, is that they don't like a dissonant B-flat. What is this, like, you know, smoking mid- a cigar? <laughs> I've been working in this industry for a long time. Yeah, he's like, don't pretend like you know what's going to work for, like, teenage girls. Because there's, he's like, some composers out there will claim that they can predict or have a sense of how something's going to go over like that. And he's like, the yeah. truth is, no one knows. Yeah. And he's like, if you just got to do something that feels right. I mean, yeah. supposedly, uh, I think that this song has been like a big, uh, a big hit amongst the teenage women. Yeah. I don't like it very much, but uh. so that's uh, the story of Bella's Lullaby, <laughs> and that's the uh, Twilight soundtrack. Hey, hey. right, nice. thank nice you, Caleb. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. Caleb. I kind of want to move to Forks now. <laughs> do not move to Forks. It looks very soggy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, before we go, we do have to review uh, the soundtrack. Uh, as That's is right. customary, I'm going to hand it off to Chris. How do you feel about this? 15 shit. Every week we say <laughs> we're going to figure out what we're going to do. We are rating this on a scale of 0 to 15. Decimal points allowed. Baseball bats. <sighs> 15. Wigs. 15 26 Collins, year old high schoolers 15 shirtless vampires 15 proms 15 volvos out of 15 Collins <laughs> after 15 Cullen out of 15 Collins um this is pretty hit or miss for me um I'm gonna say mostly on the miss side mm-hmm, TBH mm-hmm. you know my uh my eyebrows kind of raised when I saw uh, Perry Farrell on the. Th- I was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be good. like you, you, you look think at again." <laughs> I should ask you before you get too carried away or uh, for your favorite and least favorite tracks. Favorite and least favorite tracks. Um, I didn't hate "Full Moon" by the Black Ghosts. Yeah. Um, I thought that went very well in the movie. It's prominently featured. Um, Supermassive Black Hole. I'll take it. Muse. All right. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> don't scoff at me um i think and it might be because i i like perry farrell but i was my least favorite might be uh go all the way by perry farrell because it's so disappointing that it's him that he's making this like really weird i don't know what um if he listened too hard or if he <laughs> didn't take any notes or like what i don't know what the um what the reason was <laughs> i don't know what the reason was behind it but um other than that I can't give this too high a review, um, too high a rating. I think I think I'm gonna have to give this a six point five 
out of 15. 6.5 colons. All right. All There's right, some Nikki, stinkies. How There's do you feel? Maybe you could tell me your favorite and least favorite tracks on the soundtrack. Sure. Uh, favorite track, least favorite track. Um, I didn't mind Black Ghost, Full Moon, and uh, Blue Foundation, Eyes on Fire. You know, those were all right. Yeah. I would say favorite track, Black Ghost, Full Moon, least favorite track, absolutely Perry Farrell go all the way in parentheses into the twilight <laughs> just totally missed the mark on this song i mean i mean paramore and lincoln park they're, they're not off the hook but I, I know what to expect from them this was just the double disappointment i think but i'm gonna have to give this soundtrack a pretty low rating this is uh you know a lot of emo drama hot topic turd rock <laughs> and <laughs> Pretty stinky. A lot, a lot of music that I could never really get into. Um, I'm going to have to give this a 3.0. 3.0 Collins. 3.0 Collins. Yeah. Sorry, of, Edward. Cutting out a lot of the Cullen family. Those are the. There's like a separate family of Cullens <laughs> that are like the rejects. They're just like, just get out of here. You guys aren't attractive. Just keep stay in the woods. All right, Caleb. Uh, 0 to 15 Cullens. Right, 0 out of 15 is funny. Decimal uh, Cullens allowed. <laughs> you guys have been uh, on the fly agonizing about these favorite, most favorite tracks. And um, I thought about it beforehand, and I feel like I have to agree completely with both of you yeah. that the Black Ghost track is Full Moon. <laughs> it's palatable. I like that track. Yeah. And it, it, indisputable that the worst track is the Perry Farrell track. Uh, oh, yeah. Made, right. made more egregious because I like Perry Farrell quite a bit. <laughs> the soundtrack has made us closer in some weird way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're in line we're in line uh this, Let's live forever <laughs> yeah i gotta give this maybe like a it's fun okay i gotta say it's a movie that i did not i could not recommend but i enjoyed watching through a lot of it it dragged it dragged more than i remembered it I thought, dra- I it dragged. once you like, figure out he's a vampire once she figures it out it's kind of cool. It drags. <sighs> I, I don't know. I thought it dragged. <laughs> Dude, through, through the thing right happens. I was a little bit confused. I was like, wait, are, are we living in a world where nobody's heard of vampires? Because she's like, the cold ones. People that uh, they drink blood. And it's like, what is this? But then it starts to go into vampire. I'm like, ah, okay, I don't know. Yeah, no, she, uh, she knows vampire. Say it. Okay. <laughs> Out of uh, 15 colons, yeah, I, I probably have to give this like a 5.2 colons. All right. Not a huge fan of it. Not a huge fan. Um, but I had a I had a good time watching the movie, and I had a, it's a fun soundtrack to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad we did it. <laughs> we got through it. We have four more to go. <laughs> Strap in, folks. All right. Well, thank you, Caleb. We do need to move into our recommended track. Recommended track. We're going to recommend a song that's uh, older than it seems, in honor of Edward Cullen, the fucking creepiest creep. <laughs> All right, I've got a uh, song pulled up for us. This is Arthur Russell with That's Us, Wild Combination. It's a big old world, but nothing in it. I can't wait to see you another minute. It's a wild combination. It's a wild combination. It's a wild, it's a loving baby, it's a talk in the dark, it's a walk in the morning, it's a wild, 
Arthur Russell. Yeah. A little bit of an enigma with this guy, but we do know that this uh, album called Calling Out of Context with this song, That's Us slash Wild Combination, was recorded sometime between 1985 and 1990, and uh, he passed away in 1992. But I think this song sounds like, you know, it could be an indie band that is, uh, you know, releasing music, uh, you know, at the moment. Oh, for sure. That's a great jam. Yeah, dude. Arthur Russell. I think uh, uh, Caleb introduced me to Arthur Russell a few years ago and uh, listened to him a bunch. He's great. Uh, I love him so much. He's kind of like a Lower East Side uh, hero. He worked with David Byrne and a lot of um, artists. Like he's, you know, he Vin was, Diesel. He tried to do this <laughs> <with> <laughs> Diesel, yeah. song and uh, went terribly. He was like a prominent <laughs> fixture of like the Lower East Side music uh, mm-hmm. scene, like from, you know, early 80s until he passed away in the mid 90s and you said they found a bunch of albums of his posthumously or or a bunch of recordings of his and released them yeah he had like Mm -hmm. had some disco tracks that uh i think got some traction got released and he just recorded a ton of music and then he i think he was kind of more uh he was discovered after he passed away and there was a he had recorded a ton of music throughout the years and it's been kind of been uh released and like subsequent there's been a lot of like uh posthumous releases yeah definitely a guy that was uh way ahead of his time and definitely influenced a lot of people thanks arthur thanks arthur uh what do you got for us chris i got a song called shout to the top by the style council this was released in about 1984 we do have a definitive year on this one. 1984. <laughs> Very good. Some say <laughs> that it was printed. Uh, but let's hear a, a bit of that, and I'll talk about it in a bit. Very nice. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a bit ahead of its time. I think the, the Style Council are a, a pretty underrated band, at least in the United States. Um, Caleb pointed out that that single is not on any album except for some greatest hits and the Vision Quest soundtrack, which it you might was, have to do. I think, original track from the Vision Quest, the Matthew Modine <laughs> yeah. film. Rest, high school wrestling, baby. Um, that is, uh, what did I say, Paul Weller? Paul Weller. Paul Weller yeah. from The Jam. Uh, it yeah. was his like his uh, break off band style, style council. Yeah, uh, that is my favorite style council song by far. And it's also got a uh, Mick Talbot who was uh, from the Dexys Midnight Runners uh, as part of the style council. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, th- I think that song's a bit ahead of its time. Um, it sounds a lot like like Future Islands type music um that's kind of what i was thinking for arthur russell too it's it's all coming back to (laughs) future islands it's a a hard recommendation because it's tough to find bands that were like you know really predicting the future but um i think the vocals kind of come in and it does sound a little dated but uh that little uh the string and the the drum beat i think really uh is something indicative of like the late 2000 
I'll I'll uh, back you up. Two thousand tens. I think that uh, I remember when I got into that song a while ago. Like it struck me that I think it belongs to like a genre and time of British music that didn't cross over in the states at all. So that it seems kind of timeless. And yeah. you're like, like wait, this isn't new wave. This isn't like punk. This isn't really rock. Like what's going on? Some Brit pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what it what it relates to i think in england maybe it would have more of a context but i i do like that song quite a bit you're so right there's another song called like um i think i may have recommended it but uh the water boys and it's the the light of the moon or something like that i'm like this doesn't fit in any i can't put it into a box but it's this british stuff that never made it over here i think good well said caleb very nice great pick thank you chris caleb uh, take us home all right this is like a funny uh it's a funny genre of recommendation because i i went through a few ideas for this and i played them for steph and she was like that just sounds like an 80s song and i was like yeah uh but it's like 1984 1987 (laughs) so there's like i have a few tracks that to me to me when i heard them they seemed a lot more contemporary than they were and so uh the song that i picked is called i love the sound of breaking glass by Nick Lowe, and I'm going to play it, and then I'll tell you when it's from. I love the sound of breaking glass Especially when I'm lonely I need the noises of destruction So it's very, to me, repin- like it, it reminds me of like a Vampire Weekend song. I was going to say Vampire Weekend. Yeah. Vampires. Huh? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I should say like Vampire Weekend is a band that's definitely like uh, very referential of like older bands and kind of Afro pop in general. So like the old uh, Paul Simon kind of appropriation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I should say this song is from 1978 and it seems not only in its uh, genre, but also kind of production and the way it's recorded, it seems very crisp and contemporary yeah uh nick Lowe, i love the sound of breaking glass and i i remember the music industry (laughs) (laughs) it's a good time yeah we had fun with it (laughs) ah just thinking about some great times all right that's my pick thank you everybody great pick great great movie thank you caleb for uh we're gonna live forever (laughs) for the first of five twilight installments God save us. You don't have to burn your picks because I'm not picking those, man. I'm going to pick them all. I love it. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Twilight with us. And um, whose pick is it next week? I think it might be my pick. Yeah. Oh. What do you got? Breaking Dawn. Ooh. <laughs> I was going to say, what uh, vampire movie soundtrack are we going to review next week? I was thinking about the uh, Dracula soundtrack, uh, actually. Two- Dracula 2000? <laughs> We gonna do Dracula 2000 here? Chris's eyes are turning a burn amber. <laughs> All right, thank you, listeners, for sticking with us through these times in 2020. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.